Welcome to the first Sunday in the season of Lent. Lent, I think, is a season that gets a bad rap. I think it's because it's been misrepresented to us or it's been misused and it's been used even as a tool to become a season of shame and guilt. But really, I believe Lent is a season of hope and newness, of fresh growth and examining the forgotten parts of ourselves. It's about being honest with ourselves and what we really desire. Lent is about letting God tend to our wounds and our desires and believing God wants to grow something new, something beautiful, beauty from ashes. It's sad to me how often I hear stories about people who have been wounded by the church. Often their wounds come because of a feeling of shame or guilt. In many cases, I think people who disdain church, who don't ever want to set foot in church again, these often come because they've dealt with some sort of guilt or shaming. Many of us in this room have left church for a season or found ourselves church hopping in hopes that we wouldn't experience the burden of guilt or shame inflicted on us from a past congregation or pastor. And so to you who have been wounded by the church, even by this church, by myself or by Kevin or another pastor, I say in all sincerity, I am sorry. This should not be. And God's, but God's church is God's plan for redemption, for bringing this healing and wholeness that I talk about into the world. It's the church, and we don't always do it well. We probably do it not so well more than we do it right. Every pastor, every congregation, we are wrestling with our humanity and our limitations. We wrestle with our insecurities and our pride and our own striving and our competitiveness and our us-over-them mentalities. So in this season of returning to God with our whole hearts, I pray for you, for our church, to find yourself willing to have hope that God's church is God's plan for redemption. That there's hope and reason to be a part of this thing. So I want you to take just a moment, and you can just think to yourself, you can jot a note down, you can talk to your neighbor, but take stock of your life right now. How would you describe the current state of your life, of your family, of your church, of this world? Where are you experiencing God's presence, and how does God seem absent to you? We our lives and our families and our church, and we could see the discouraging things. We could probably go on and on about the areas of struggle, of the frustration with the way things are, of bitterness between friends, of walls being built where there should be welcome, and maybe you feel like your life and your family, or our church even, looks more like a garbage dump than a fertile field 
ready to be sown, ready to grow something new. And yet, I smell hope. Let me tell you what I mean. I believe that God has been working the ground of our lives. I see it in you, I see it in our church, I see it in our community and around the world. He has been tilling up the yucky stuff in order to sow hope. Because God's mission is to heal the world through his church. Jesus came and the church has continued plan for God's presence in the world. So when I say this smelling hope, it instantly reminds me of two summers ago when I visited the Guatemala City dump. What I saw was the most extreme paradox. It was both the most despairing and discouraging and yet the most hopeful scene. So I stood on the edge of a 40-acre dump, the largest in Central America. And our guide, Liz, read to us from Jeremiah 29. Now, if you're like me, verse, 29, verse 11 of Jeremiah 29 is probably familiar to you. But the words of the previous preceding prophecy is what really struck me. The Lord tells his people in Jeremiah 29, 5 through 6, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Then I have a plan for hope and a future to prosper you and not to harm you if you do these things. So this is what life in God's kingdom is all about. Smelling hope when you only see waste and ruin. Smelling hope by choosing to live lives with people who will probably hurt you. Smelling hope by choosing to be a part of a church that also will probably hurt you at some point. Smelling hope by belonging to a community and being a part of the people that God has planted you to live and work and be with. So the day after I took in this expansive site of the Guatemala City dump, we went into the urban slum right next to the dump known as La Limonada. It houses over 60,000 people. Mostly these are people who scavenge the dump, who work there all day, finding something of value to sell and make a meager living. La Limonada is a place that the government of Guatemala describes as a red zone. It is known to be impoverished and gang-ridden and overpopulated and unsafe. And yet, as we walked into these streets, and our, our host said, stay with me, because she was a safe person to be with. But even in the darkness and the despair and the grossness of the area, I saw the beauty. I was shocked by the beauty that I encountered. We went to a school that Tita runs. And from the rooftop of the school, I looked out over these shanty townhouses, cinder blocks and tin roofs, stacked one on top of the other into the walls of this ravine. And I expected to see the heartbreak, to smell the dump, to see the filth. And instead, I saw humanity unfold all around me. These people had been busy building houses and settling down and planting gardens and eating the food they produce and marrying and having sons and daughters. The language of the mundane tasks of life, 
of child rearing and laundry and hard work. It transcended the ethnic differences that I had with these people. I saw hope all around me because I looked out and I saw laundry lines hung with pristine white baby onesies, whiter than I could possibly get my children's. Well-worn jeans and t-shirts, shoes lined up nicely at the doorstep, little ones being carried on a sling on their mother's hip, just like I carry mine. I saw them preparing meals and eating together. I didn't ignore the pain. It was there. But I saw the kingdom of God unfolding in the shape of living human lives. So, interestingly though, rather than talking about the stench of the dump, Tita, our host, likes to say, I, I can sit at the edge of la limonada and all I smell is hope and I like it. So the smelling of hope came to me as I read the Deuteronomy 26 passage from earlier today that, um, that Micah read for us. This passage in Deuteronomy, it's God's invitation to the Israelites to take ownership of the land that they, the promised land that he brought them to after 40 years of wandering, and then to bring their fruitful produce, the first fruits, to him as a thank offering. It said, when you come into the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, take some of the first fruits of the garden which you harvest and put it in a basket and bring it to the Lord. The Lord brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm with terrifying displays of power and wonders and signs, and he brought us to this place, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, Wait a minute. So these people, the, the Israelites, are these the same ones who were wandering and eating manna, like whatever that is, some sort of bready, meaty thing that would fall from the sky every day for 40 years? They have milk and honey and fruit? <laughs> Where did this come from? Because milk and honey are not the essentials. Those are the lavish overflow of a life well-lived, of land well-cared for. So these people who had been living in exile, wandering aimlessly for 40 years, having no land to call their own, setting up tents every day, surviving the desert conditions, probably smelling of body odor, probably smelling rotten manna and dying livestock, and can you imagine the smell of the priestly sacrifices that, that had to go on under the hot desert suns? Could they smell hope in the middle of that? Yeah, these, these are the same people. And this milk and honey people who were trapped in the desert, refugees for 40 years, are now settled in the land God brought them to. They've put down permanent roots. They've built their homes and farmed the land and married and had children and began to see a harvest. This land of milk and honey is the fruit of the Israelites' willingness to smell hope in the middle of an uninhabitable desert. So what about you? Can you smell hope? What is your kind of wasteland 
What do you see when you look at your own life or your own family or your church or your neighborhood? What places would you rather not see? Can you see the glimmers of hope that come in through the cracks of our broken reality? It's hard, I know. But that's what God calls us to. We're the ones who have to call attention for how the light is streaming in between the brokenness, between the cracks in the wall that we erect between one another. It's a constant struggle because our bodies are broken, right? We all have sickness and pain and problems. There's shattered pieces laying in our families and relationships. This should not be. And yet, the Lenten season is an invitation to hope. To hope that God's kingdom will come in fullness. Because we should not be broken. Glenn should not be in that hospital bed. We should not have to say goodbye to 17-week-old babies. This should not be. God's kingdom will come and there will be wholeness and healing and life eternal. But God's kingdom is breaking through. There is reason to hope. We have to look for it. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important to come together every week because we can remind each other. We can be honest with each other and authentic about what are we dealing with. I don't want you to come here put together. I want you to come as, as put together or as broken as you are. And to share that with one another so that the person listening to you can say, the hope of God, the peace of God, here's where God is. I'm going to sit with you in the mess. I'm going to cry with you. I'm going to be frustrated with you. And we're going to wait with hope together because it's too hard to wait by yourself. And so we come to the table again, the place that reminds us again and again of the hope that we have in Jesus. The Jesus who who came and humbled himself, became the hope of the world, and then left us here to continue to be his hope. So let's turn to the table and affirm our faith with this Apostles' Creed. Amen.